Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Mountain View this morning. Welcome to those of you gathered here in person, those of you gathering with us online. And uh, we trust this will be a worship service where we have a good opportunity to connect with our God, to praise Him, and to also hear from His Word. I'm going to add something to our wonderful display here. And before I do that, I'm going to say, I'm not allowed to decorate anything at home. So if this doesn't look like it fits, that's because not my skill set. Did I just throw you under the bus there? Yeah? Sorry about that. This is a food bag. And this is a food bag. One has a, a sticker attached to it about our food drive, and the other one you will place a paper with it for the food drive. And all you need to do is go to the tables, some of you already did this, in the entrance area, and pick up a map and a bunch of these and deliver them this week. That was my announcement, that's what you need to do. Any other questions beyond that, find Kim Harrison because she has all the answers to all those questions, all right? So I'm the messenger, she has the answers. Yeah, I think we're ready to worship. Let's go to God in prayer. Jesus, thank you for inviting us here. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this place and these people and for the connection that is ours. Thank you for those who are here for the first time and those who have been here many times before. May we all recognize that you love us all equally, that we don't earn points with you by showing up more times, but that we simply receive your love in its fullness because you are love and grace and goodness. So Jesus, may this be a time where as we worship, we experience the fullness of you poured into us. And this we pray in your holy name, amen. I invite those of you gathered here to join me in standing. We are a people gathered by God, and so we receive his word of greeting, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells among us. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to worship today here in this space and with those in our online community. It's good to be together in this way. One of the ways uh, to think about worship is as a remembering, a remembering of who God is and what he has done in the past, how he has been good and faithful, and remembering the story of the world and who we are in it. God is good, creation is good, we messed up, Jesus came to rescue us, and there is hope for restoration. And we pray that now as we sing, you might remember who God is in your life as well.
Psalm 105 is one of those places where um, there's a whole catalog of things to remember and savor and ponder that God has done. You can go and read it some other time. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's just a real long story. But it tells of remembering his wonderful acts, remembering the wonders he has done, remembering his covenant, remembering his holy promise, remembering God. And so in this next song, it has that same kind of flavor where we are remembering the God of Moses and Mary and David and Jacob and in remembering how God worked through them, knowing that he can work here in us and in our world as well. Same God. Say 
As you and I all know, there's been an escalation of violence in the Middle East, in Israel and Palestine. And so um, we're going to take some time to pray for peace right now. And this phrase that you're going to hear in the passage that Eric, Pastor Eric will read a little bit later, is here from heaven or here in heaven. And it's this continual plead to God to hear us, to remember your love and your mercy. And we know that we need that mercy and love and peace right now. So Veronica and I are going to pray a prayer that was written for the denomination, and then we are going to sing the Lord's Prayer in a Middle Eastern arrangement by a Lebanese uh, Christian. So will you pray with us? I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. God of peace, God who loves us and who loves the people of Israel and Palestine, God who loves the poor and the powerful alike, we will listen to you. We pray, O oh God, that nations will not turn to folly. We pray for wisdom, 
for patience, for temperance, and justice. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Justice and peace kiss each other. God, we are in shock and horror as we consider the violence that has been happening in this world. We long for your glory, which looks like grace and flourishing and peace, to dwell in this world that you created. Bring your salvation near to us, O Lord. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and justice looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. God, you are the author of peace and the creator of justice. We pray that you might bless the work of our hands as we work for the peace that we so long for. We pray for an end to bombings, blockades, and retaliation. We pray for an end to hostage-taking and shootings. We pray for an end of vengeance, of terror, and of threats. Justice goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Empower us through your spirit that our homes and our nations and our countries around the world might become havens of peace. By your grace, help us to see every human being as a child of God. Bring healing to those who have experienced violence and trauma. Give protection to those who serve in the military. Give courage to those who are the first responders when a bomb strikes. Give wisdom to those who lead nations that they will strive to work harder for peace than they do for war. Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Amen. Stay. 
invite kids at Mountain View, students and leaders, if I could have you standing in the aisles. I tend to lean over this side, so I'm gonna come over this side with you. See the word? No, we don't see the words. You know your words? What are your words? They're on the back wall. It's, and also with you. Okay. Congregation, what is our prayer for these children? On your way, nicely done. I'm having an internal debate with myself at the moment. Um, and I'm going to ask Eric, is it okay if I do a little testimonial before I go into congregational prayer? Um, Marg and I, and Ron and Marion Bergshoff, were having dinner about 30 years ago over a gourmet set. And we had a fire. As a result, I was burned from my waist to my head, first, second, and third degree burns. Now that's just the start of the story and I'm going to skip a whole pile and I'm going to go to when I was in the hospital. And uh, it was on a Sunday and I was not doing very well. I was in and out of consciousness in a tremendous amount of pain. And Marg was uh, at my bedside and um, she said, you know, I'm going to call the church and I'm going to I'm going to have them pray for you in the congregational prayer. So it was already church service had already started, and so she called the church. Back in those days, there were no cell phones or anything like that. This is 30 years ago. And um, Heather Kickert happened to be walking through the foyer. She heard the church in the, in the office. The door was unlocked. She picked up the phone. Mark told her, or uh, to asked her to ask the pastor to pray for me. I was not aware of that. <laughs> I was laying there in bed, and uh, a few minutes later, and this is, this is the honest to God's truth, my body started tingling. And I said to Mark, I said, Mark, like, Mark, I feel my, my body tingling, you know, like, um, like, it was, like it was healing. And then she explained, well, that's probably because they're praying for you in church right now. And that story has stuck with me. I haven't shared it with a lot of people, but um, I thought, you know what? We're doing a series on prayer right now, and congregational prayer is such an important part of worship. We are community. We hold each other up. And I can tell you, prayer works. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, that's also why it, it, it changes you as a character. But that is also one of the reasons why I serve in the church as I do. And... Um, I give to the church monetarily as I do in a form of thanks. So that leads me to giving. 
We all know how important our church ministry promise is, and I'm asking you here online, I'm asking you to support monetarily on a regular basis the ministries of this church. And I'm also uh, going to inform you that we will be holding a capital campaign shortly. Just working out a, a few details yet, you'll be receiving um, communication on that shortly with the goal to eliminate our debt and to uh, be able to cover the expenses that we are seeing in our facilities now that it's 23 years old. This is something that was talked about since the 2019. COVID hit, everything in the world paused, including that, but now we're picking it up again. So just a, a heads up, start thinking about that and what you can do uh, to help with that as well. Now, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. God, our Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, in praise. We come in faith, we come in gratitude, we come in forgiveness, we come with heavy hearts, and we come with grateful hearts. We know we are in your presence, and we know that you hear our prayers, our cries, our joys, our loneliness, our loss. You are unshakable. Father, everybody hurts sometime. Each one of us at different times in our lives will hurt for mental reasons, physical realities, emotional stressors, loss of loved ones, aging, etc., etc. And so each of us needs the reminded assurance that you will carry us through those times. And so you have blessed us with the church, a place where we can gather as a community that holds each other up, holds each other to account, a place where we pray together and for, for each other. We are reminded every week again of the assurance of your presence in our lives. What a blessed assurance that is. Lord, we live in a time where the entire world is struggling with shared stress, anxiety, and conflict. We pray for calm during this time of wars and rumors of war as it shapes our world. We pray for our world leaders that they seek your guidance in how they rule and the decisions they make. We pray for an end to greed and power that seems to shape decisions in our world today. We pray for our planet as we witness what seems to be more extreme weather events, earthquakes and fires. We pray for those places and people who find themselves affected by these events. We pray for those who struggle with drug addiction, alcohol, pornography, gambling addictions, and the people who are trying to help them. In all these scenarios, we believe that you are walking beside, if not carrying those who in faith turn to you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we continue to hold others among us up in prayer who have recently lost loved ones. It changes lives, and we pray that some kind of normalcy may be found in their new situations. We continue to pray for Carol and Jerry and Shirley, Heinz and Gundy, Anne, Joanne and Dave, Neil and Mary Jane, Yeti and Ernie, Bep, Anna, Gertie, Bonnie and Heather. Give them each what they stand in need of. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, feet to hasten, and the hands to help where we can. We also pray for those who are dealing with issues of which we are not aware. May we be open to the Spirit's prompting to enter into these situations with care and hope. Lord, we pray for your church universal and thank you for it. 
During this crazy time, we pray that the church can figure out the opportunities that are presented in this fast-paced world of change to be relevant, accessible, welcoming, agile, real, and open to all people of every nation, color, language, and character. Now here at Mountain View, we thank you for this congregation and everyone in it. Thank you for our staff and our board and council. We pray for wisdom as decisions are made to move your church forward for this generation and the next. We pray and thank you for all of the volunteers here who give so freely of their time. We are a blessed people. Father, this morning we pray for our country and its leaders. We pray for Prime Minister Trudeau and the leaders of the opposition. We pray that you guide our leaders. We pray for civility, consensus, and working for the common good of Canadian people. Lord, you are the giver of all things in a material perspective you have given us much. We live in a free country. We live in a part of the world that is very protected from the elements. We have plenty of food, water, clothing, resources. We may find ourselves in want at times, but we are seldom in need. Collectively, we thank you. Today, we pray for the poor in our world and the hunger and suffering that comes with that. Everything we have is on loan from you. Help us to give as freely as you have given to us. Father, we are found in your presence and in the power of the risen Lord. In the midst of our trials, in the, in the midst of our good times and bad, Lord, we know that you are the ruler of all, and that gives us strength. It gives us a special sense of security and peace, and so, Lord, all our ambitions, hopes, and plans, we surrender into your hands. For it is only in your unshakable presence that we are free. And now, Father, we pray for Pastor Eric as you speak through him. Open our hearts and minds to what we hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are indeed continuing our uh, sermon series on the prayers in the Bible. And uh, this is the second one. There will be one per month. And today, I think I told you we were going to do the Lord's Prayer, and we sang the Lord's Prayer, but we're actually going to be looking at 2 Chronicles 6. It's the uh, prayer um, of dedicating the temple in 2 Chronicles 6. Um, this is a long prayer. Historically, the prayer that PJ just did was called the Long Prayer. That kind of set you up, so I think we changed it to Congregational Community Prayer because, you know, you're kind of setting it up that people are anticipating. It's like I'm going to say, this is a really long sermon today. You all start tuning out earlier, right? So I'm not sure it is or it isn't. I'm not going to make any claim on that, but this is definitely a long passage to read. And I was going to give you a little task, which was to find the refrain. Little hint, Ruthann already told you what it is, but if you're like me, you might have missed that. Um, so listen for the refrain. And somewhere in the middle of the sermon, you'll find out the correct answer on that. Okay, with that as introduction, 2 Chronicles 6, starting at verse 12. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. 
Now he had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had placed it in the center of the outer court. He stood on that platform and then knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. He said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant, David, my father. With your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, you shall never fail to have successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me according to my law, as you have done. And now, Lord, the God of Israel, let your word that you promised your servant David come true. But will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet, Lord, my God, give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence. May your eyes be opened toward this temple day and night, this place of which you said you would put your name there. May you hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. When anyone wrongs their neighbor and is required to take an oath, and they come and swear the oath before your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and act. Judge between your servants, condemning the guilty and bringing down on their heads what they, have, what they have done, and vindicating the innocent by treating them in accordance with their innocence. When your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave them and their ancestors. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and when they pray toward this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. And when famine or plague comes to the land or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, and when enemies besiege them in any of their cities, whatever disasters or diseases may come, and when a prayer or plea is made by anyone among your people Israel, being aware of their afflictions and pains and spreading out their hands toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive, and deal with everyone according to all they do, since you know their hearts, for you alone know the human heart, so that they will fear you and walk in obedience to you all the time they live in, your, in the land you gave our ancestors. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. And when your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to you toward this city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. 
and when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to the enemy who takes them captive to a land far away, far away or near, and if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity and say, we have sinned, we have done wrong and acted wickedly, and if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their captivity where they were taken and pray toward the land you gave their ancestors, toward the city you have chosen and toward the temple I have built for your name, then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their pleas and uphold their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Now arise, Lord God, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. This is the word of the Lord. That was long, right? It's long, but it's good. Hear from heaven and forgive. That's the refrain, or part of it. It didn't come till about 15 verses in, so chances are you might have had a hard time grabbing it. All right, we're doing a prayer series, and there's two things I want to accomplish today and generally in this series. First is learning from prayers in the Bible, because the Bible is full of prayers, just like our worship service is full of prayers, and those prayers, um, the content of them, of course, is instructive on what is prayer about, why do we do this, how do we do this, and those kinds of things. And while we're doing that, I also want to continually teach you um, how to read the Bible. Because I know, and, and we'll actually get into this very thoroughly next week, that um, we wish, I think, that we could just read the Bible in English in front of us and say, hey, there it says it, now I know exactly what to do. But it was written a real long time ago by people who don't think like we do. And so it is totally relevant today, but it is written in a different style and in a different way. And I want to continually point out what they were doing so that we can understand um, what they were trying to say to us when they were writing. All right? So that's, those are the overarching themes. And so I'm going to start by giving you this wonderful chart. This is the format of the prayer. When PJ came in this morning, he asked me if there's anything else to add to the prayer today, and I said, can you do it in chiasm? He said no, and that's okay. This is a chiasm. This is the shape of this passage. And right now, that looks like, especially with the split right down the middle, cool, glory, love, temple, people, creation, then backwards, people, temple, love, glory, and you're all going, great, because you're North American, Western thinkers, and going, nice that you have a list, nice that there's a pattern. We all want to know, so what does it mean, and what do we do with it? You're going to have to wait till the last third of the sermon to get there, because this is a Hebrew document, and they require that you know how was it formed before they ever tell you what does it mean. It's more of a puzzle than we're used to. Don't blame me, I didn't write the Bible. How's that? All right, remember last week we looked at Ezra, and I pointed out that when they started to rebuild the temple, they used a common phrase that they got from David that he used way back in Kings when the um, ark came to the tabernacle. 
right? And that refrain is right here in, in chapter 5, verse 13. So we read chapter 6. You're going to see in chapter 5, the chapter before, they sang, He is good, His love endures forever. We sang that last week. And then the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Right? Let's pause for a second and understand what in the world all those words mean. Because words like glory and priests and cloud, nice, but we need to see what was going on there. So, as, um, as they were hoping for in Ezra, that we looked at last week, they actually had it happen here and it happened for David as well. When the people prayed for the temple to be opened, they prayed that God would come and, and dwell there, and he showed up in such a way that there was so much smoke and dust and cloud, whatever it was, the presence of God, that they couldn't see, couldn't move, couldn't breathe, because God was there fully. So if you want to know what we're looking for, right, if you want to know the, the ultimate goal of what prayer is all about, it's praying in such a way that you experience the fullness of the glory of God filling this space or filling your life in such a way that there's some, um, some challenge to your actually moving on your own speed in your own way, all right? Letting God get in our way is sort of what this is about. That's the glory of God. Next, um, the chapter right after again, the prayer we read is chapter 6, and I know some of you are thinking, 6 was long enough, do you have to preach on 5 and 7 as well? Yes, I do. Chapter 7, the beginning, right after this prayer, these words, they sound very familiar. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And they were saying, he is good, his love endures forever. All right, so if we didn't have last week and this week with this emphasis on this repeated line over and over again, we would just think, yeah, those are, those are neat words, right? But those are key, they're like code for people. They're, they're like um, very important words that if you hear them, you know exactly what's going to be going on here. When you hear, he is good, his love endures forever, that's your trigger, the glory of the Lord might be showing up in this place at this time. So that's the Right before the prayer and right after the prayer, we're going to now start looking at the prayer itself. So first, prayer posture is important. A month ago when we did the prayer from Ephesians 3, there again, um, Paul said, I kneel down before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth um, derives its name. And here we have King Solomon, right? So like many of you, my entire life has been a life where Queen Elizabeth was the queen, so I can talk about Queen Elizabeth even though I know she's not the queen anymore, right? So imagine Queen Elizabeth in one of her regal ceremonies coming before all the people, and she kneels down in front of them. Have you ever seen that? I doubt it, because I can't imagine she ever did that. That's not what royals do, right? When the royal comes, you kneel, are you, right? You show some form of respect to that person. Solomon builds a platform. Handily, we have a platform here too. His is a little higher than this and a, a lot smaller in terms of width. But he, as the king, having just finished the temple, which was a pretty glorious feat, right? He could have been there going, look at me, I built this temple. It's amazing, and it was. He stood before them on the platform, and then he knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands towards heaven. And maybe I should have done this, but I'm not sure I could have lasted the whole time. He read or said this entire prayer like this. 
right? So that the people could see their sovereign, their king, kneeling before them and God, right? And reaching his hands out to heaven because this whole prayer is about reaching out to heaven and hoping and trusting that the glory of God's going to meet you in that space, right? This prayer is like what Marg asked you, the people of Mountain View, to do 30 years ago for PJ. Reach out your prayers to God and trust that his glory is going to move as we heard it did. All right, now, we've had the glory at the beginning, glory at the end. Solomon started praying in that, in that posture, right? And at the beginning, he talks about keeping your covenant of love, your promise to your servant David. And at the very end, he prays, remember the great love promised to David, your servant. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word covenant, having grown up in this tradition and having gone to Covenant Church in St. Catharines and there was covenant school, and we throw this covenant word and we talk about being covenant people, that word has kind of lost its power, um, which is unfortunate because it's one of the deepest words in the Bible. Covenant of love is God's chesed. It's his, his, his deep felt um, quality of love that comes from the very core of who he is, right? And so this glory of the Lord showing up gives a hint that this God is able to keep his loving relationship with his people from start to finish. And so the next layer in is basically that God's, or a Solomon is praying, God, we know you love us and that your decision to love us, that's his covenant, your decision to love us, that's going to carry us through from start to finish. Next layer in from there is the temple. And here's the trouble with, trouble with temples. The highest heavens cannot contain you, God, how much less this temple. What a move by Solomon, right? He's, he's built the most incredible structure in all of Israel at that time by far, right? And he's there in front of it, kneeling before God as he's praying, and he's going, wait a minute, God, you can't live here, you're God. You can't live here, you're God. What an amazing thing to say, a recognition of humility that this unbelievable edifice is just not even close to what you need. In fact, the idea of the tabernacle and the temple, the, the, the houses of God, if you will, in the Old Testament, where they were just a shadow of what heaven looked like, right? When you get the book of Revelation, they again get into the temple, and it's again this image of something like this is where God would live because it has all these perfect squares and shapes and stuff to it, but we all know there's no way this temple can hold God. And then, moving in one more layer, we get to people and people problems. Verse 22, when anyone wrongs their neighbor. Verse 24, when we've been defeated by our enemies. Verse 32, as for the foreigner among us. Verse 34, and when your people go to war. As we try to live before our God as people, and then you bump into other people, we have problems. It's really simple possibly an oversimplification, but it's probably a reality we all understand, right? If you put one person in a room, you have an idea, and if you put two people in a room, you have two ideas, you put three people in a room, you have a problem, right? We have this funny ability to bump into each other and see difference and struggle with all those kinds of things. And so this prayer, as it moves in towards its center, talks about all the people dynamics that take place and recognizes that there's our problems, there's problems with foreign people or people other than us, right? There's wars, and there's wars that happen to us, and there's wars that we get into. All of these things are those people dynamics. And then we get to the center of the story. 
creation crises. So, sometime in the last 400 years, 300 years, 200 years, we got more and more excited about science. And a lot of people at that point started deciding that we don't need God because we have science. And what science is starting to tell us now is that the problem with our creation, our world, as they would call it, is what people do. And we're going, yeah, God had that a long time ago. Nice of you to figure that out using science, but that's been religion all along, right? And this prayer captures our creation crisis or climate issues or whatever you want to call it, right? By understanding that the core issue of this world is that this world might not work for us anymore if we keep doing these people things, right? And missing the love of God and the opportunity to connect with him in his temple and celebrating his glory. And so this, um, I'll show you in a picture form again, this prayer, right, recognizes that all the problems in our world, the creation, have a connection with the people problems. It's our messing around that makes it messy, right? And God has said, now I've given you my temple as a place to make that connection beyond this world with me, and hopefully there you experience my love and my glory. That's sort of a summary of how this thing works. So that's the structure. And you're all going, oh good, he's glad with that. He's done with that. But wait, there's more. Remember the refrain? Did you hear it? over and over again. I'm going to read them all to you. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Then hear from heaven and act. Then hear from heaven and forgive. Then hear from heaven and forgive. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and deal with everyone. Then hear hear from heaven your dwelling place, do whatever the foreigner asks. Then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. And then finally, in verse 39, they capture pretty much all those lines at the same time. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their pleas and uphold their cause and forgive. So what? What does all this mean for my prayer life, right? So that was Hebrew explanation of how a passage works. We're living in 2023 in North America, so we need to answer this kind of a question. And the good news is it's in there. Here's the first summary of it. And if you're taking notes and discuss this in a small group, take a picture of this one or hang on to this one. It's the summary. All the messy stuff in D, the center in creation, and that happens with C, people, can be dealt with by having God hear our prayers and forgive. That's the refrain. By meeting God in his temple, which is that connection point, right? They kept saying, pray here, because this temple, this space is a connection point between us and God. And then knowing him as love, which, as you've heard many times, is the basic message of the Bible. But there's more. This is John 1, 14. This is Christmas. This is taking this story and realizing there's a whole lot more real, powerful, practical, in-your-face, in-your-world stuff going on here than we might imagine. John 1, 14 says, The Word became flesh, which is... Bibleese for God came in human form as Jesus Christ, all right? God became human, the Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us, a more um, simplified, straightforward translation of that is, and tabernacled among us, or and templed among us, right? That's the actual word they use there. So God came down and became a temple among us. 
And we have seen, have you seen that word before, glory, today? The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in other words, Christmas is God coming into this world and saying, I am now going to be the temple among you and dwell among you, just like we wanted that glory to come into that building that Solomon made. God says, I'm going to come in human form and do that among you. That's the miracle of Christmas. Sort of for giving it away already in October, but there you go. All right. Then, wait, there's even more. Jesus on the temple. What does Jesus say? He says, destroy this temple. He's standing in, in the temple. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it in three days. And they said, it took 46 years to build this, and you're going to do this by yourself? You've got to be kidding. And John tells us so that we'll know. The temple he had spoken of was his body. That's chapter 2, by the way, of John. 20, it's a 20-chapter book. Right away at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was already saying, I am the temple. Right? And like most of us, we're going, what does that mean? You're not a building. You're not made out of bricks. Right? Jesus said, I'm the temple, and if you destroy this, and we, they figured it out later, the passage actually says that, they figured it out later when he rose from the dead after three days, oh wow, that was him letting that temple be destroyed and then having it raised up again. As you probably understand if you've been following Jesus for a while, that destruction of his temple, his body, was what held the refrain of this prayer together. That's what forgave our sins. God heard us and came down and said, not only am I going to have you do prayers and sacrifices and those kinds of things in this building, I'm going to come down and be that sacrifice for you and pay for that sin and forgive you and send you on this journey of love. And wait, there's just one more thing. Our role in this. This is 1 Corinthians 3. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. See what's going on here? So we give you this whole long theological lesson about the temple in the Old Testament, about how Jesus connects with it in the New Testament, and surprise, guess what? This is all about you. This is all about you. If you are the temple, you're the temple because you're hanging around with Jesus. That's what we're doing here. Right? And if you're the temple, it's because God has forgiven you and restored you and raised you up with himself, just like he raised that temple, his body, from the dead on Easter. And now, Paul says, you are like Jesus. When we call ourselves Christians, we're calling ourselves little Christs, right? Another translation of that is you are little temples. You have the Holy Spirit in you, which means when you pray— I know, finally, I'm getting to the thing you needed to know. When you pray, you have Jesus in you, and you're connecting your prayer is connecting with everything that God accomplished in Jesus Christ, which means that, for example, at the end of the service, when we invite you to come forward for prayer, this is what's going on. Those of us who are praying have Jesus in us, and through Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit's at work, and he's doing stuff, right? Thanks for that testimony, PJ, because that is bang on what's going on here, right? When you ask somebody to pray, the glory of God is already in us because we have the Holy Spirit, and so that prayer has the power of the glory of God, of all that God is, whatever that glory means, that amazing image comes through the prayers of those people and touches the lives of those around us, all right? So please, when you think of yourself, recognize, like the prayer said, 
Yeah, of course, everybody sins and they need to do this prayer for themselves. But as you continue to pray to God for forgiveness and healing, just like the prayer talked about, recognize that he is actually transforming you. And then even if you're not done this journey yet, he has transformed you enough that when you pray for someone, his spirit, his glory, his truth flows through you and touches that person's life. And so I want to invite you, challenge you, encourage you, do whatever I can to help you understand this. We as followers of Christ need to continually practice this thing where we pray for one another. And at least all the times where we're preaching about prayer and thinking about prayer in our worship services, we're going to invite you to come forward. There'll be at least three other people up here with me today, and we're going to pray for you. And we're just going to pray that God's Spirit comes and fills you, that, that you experience the glory of God. And as we continue to do this, we're going to expect, just like um, Solomon did, that God's fullness and his goodness is going to come and shape us and move us. And some of you will feel tingling like PJ did. And some of you won't feel anything, but you'll know. You'll have a sense. And I can't tell you exactly what's going to go on inside of you. That's God's business. But know this. This is his promise. He is a God of covenant love who says, like Solomon prayed, whenever you reach out in this direction of prayer, I will meet you there, and I will forgive and heal and understand, whether you're a foreigner or one of the crowd. Come and receive the gift of God's goodness and his glory in prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you embodied all that the Father had in, in mind by coming in being the temple among us, being the place of forgiveness, being the place of prayer, being the place of healing. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as we follow you, as we connect with you, as we hold on to you by faith, that you'd also help us see that through us, in us, around us, you continue that work of prayer of bringing us into the place of truth and love and healing, all to the glory of your name. Guide us, we pray. Give us boldness to continue to seek on this journey we pray this in your holy name. Amen.